I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome back to this week's flagship show. I, as ever now, and Dan, I'm going to guide you through it. Uh, you'll be pleased to see the Bucks gear is back on. Tom Brady is staying, and we no longer have to go back into the shadows, Murph. No, absolutely not. Uh, although I'm curious by your. You're Dan forever now. Like, were you something? Were you someone else? <laughs> were, you, were you going through like a Lewis Hamilton yeah. phase where you were like, you're actually going by like Dan, Dan Hyphen Louise or something like that? But it's, I just need it's to back to Monday. I, I go by another name at weekends, so we'll leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's what caught me more than anything. That tells you how my brain works. But yeah, no, Brady's back. Um, listen, what, what a great world we live in on the same day that, um, well, the same weekend that, that Brady's back, Carson Wentz gets traded um, to to Washington. So you know, every team has got their franchise QB. <laughs> and in fact, we're talking on the day that Mitchell Trubisky has got a job. I mean, listen, I know, right? Some people get Tom Brady, some people get Mitchell Trubisky. It's why we love this sport because I some hear the teams now the Super Bowl actually went out after signing Mitchell Trubisky and uh, and Carson Wentz. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is why. Uh, oh, Jack! Jack's coming with spicy chat, nice and early. Oh. He goes by a different name in a WhatsApp group. I could tell you. That. <laughs> uh, evening, Jack. I love that. We'll keep that private, please. 
But no, busy day, and we're probably going to, we've got an amazing guest, and we are going to try and keep to a format and script, but if there is some breaking news, because the legal tampering period is over, oh, it started, so it's over, um, amazingly, um, Alex Kappa signed for our guests, Buccaneers, within 60 seconds of the legal tampering period, so it tells you that D3 schools have amazing education because they're able to negotiate deals in less than 60 seconds. Indeed, fair play to them. But we have an awesome guest. I'm very excited for this one. Dan, do the introductions, my man. Well, we are joined by a brand new Five Yard Rush Dynasty writer. Is that right, Hannah? Hannah Rowland, how are you? Oh, you're mute. Oh, we've lost your mic, Hannah. Oh, we've lost your mic. One of the two. Nothing yeah, your yeah, your your volume's gone on your. I think your pods have died. <laughs> Nothing like live broadcast here. This is why we do it live. <laughs> live TV. That's all right. We can. Still... Yeah. Oh, you yeah. going, Hannah. Welcome you back. Go. Hi, Hannah. Tell everyone about. Thanks yourself. for having me, Uh I'm Hannah. I um, I'm a Bengals fan. Yeah. So pleased today because we've got two new O linemen. They might not be the best, but they're better than what we've got. So I'm pleased with that. I'm a bit disappointed because Tom Brady came back to the books and now we didn't get Jensen. No, you'd have had three brand new O-linemen today otherwise. <laughs> yeah, he he was my I had my eye on him. I like the idea of Well, him. I mean you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't have signed you wouldn't have signed Karras. Because they played no. I well, I doubt you would have no. signed Karras. I mean you could have signed two centres. I don't think you would have done, but no, but I, th- I reckon Jensen and Kappa would be nice. Yeah, I mean, listen, from experience, they're like good that. offensive linemen. Uh, Kappa's amazing. So my, my favourite story of Alex Kappa is he played, or he attempted to play, um, the yeah, wildcard Washington wildcard game. Wild game with a broken leg. Um, tough as nails. D3 guy. Um, wouldn't say he's like elite, but absolutely solid um, professional. I think he made the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, he's going to be knocking on the door of the Pro Bowl voting like the last couple of years, so he's definitely put in some great performances. I think he's finally put it together the last two years. So, um, yeah, I think I think I was reading he got no he let or gave away no sacks in twenty twenty. I think it was eight last year, but look, it's better than our seventeen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, anytime you can invest in your O line with good solid players, and again, you part part of the thing of like D three school players is they come in with a chip on the shoulder. Like, they've already gone through so much just to get drafted. Kappa was drafted, I think, in the third round. It was. Um, <laughs> which is huge for a D3 player. You don't get many D3 players drafted that high. So it tells you how high he was rated by the Buccaneers organization. So I think it's a great addition for the Bengals. Karras, don't know much about him. I know he played for the... I know he was David Andrews' centre, um, backup centre for the Patriots. I know he played the year that David Andrews uh, broke his... I can't remember what the injury was. Is it a leg or ACL? I can't remember what it was. Um, but I know he had a good solid year um, that year. So I don't know too much about Karras, but I think he played somewhere else last year. I can't remember where it was. Um, I think it was the Dolphins or something That makes like sense. That. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I can't say that centers are players that I track on a day-to-day basis, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not ones for fantasy podcasts, are they? Let's be honest. No, not really. But... Um, <laughs> but I think just, I know we're recording this kind of live. Before we get into Hannah and Hannah's story, I just yep. want to catch up on some of the top uh, 
free agency oh, signings. We talked about Mitch Trubisky. He is a stealer. Um, Jags have been really busy. They have signed or will sign. You know, all these things are not official to Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, but they have signed Christian Kirk uh, or will sign Christian Kirk. Um, uh, Fatakasi, Olikan, um, so that's a D tackle, a linebacker. Um, so they've been very, very busy. Uh, the Jaguars, um, uh, Browns have released Jairus Landry. That was expected. The Cardinals paid big money to James Connor, nine million a year mm-hmm. for three years. Uh, sorry, uh, seven million a year for three years, but big money up front. Seahawks paid big money to Quandre Diggs, which I think he was terrific last year. Makes sense. Dolphins signed Chase Edmonds. Bengals, we talked about four-year, $40 million deal for Kappa. I mean, it's big money for a guard, but it'd be interesting to see what the breakdown is year to year. But, you know, I think he's a terrific player. Um, Packers have re-signed Preston Smith, four-year, $52.5 million deal. So they really have burned through their cap. Uh, to yep. make space for that... Um, Darius Smith has been yeah. released. Um, they are still taking a 10 million hit this year on him, but they are saving 15 plus million. Uh, and Billy Turner, offensive lineman, has also been released. Now, all teams have to get under the cap by Wednesday. I still think that the Packers still have a bit of work to do. I think all teams are pretty close. The Saints are within about five mil now. Um, yeah. But there's a few things still going on. Emmanuel Bose resigned for the Dolphins. Uh, Falcons resigned uh, offensive tackle Jake Matthews, three year, $52.5 million deal. Huge name. We've talked about Karras to the Bengals. Rams signed Noteboom, Joseph Noteboom, $40 million deal. Uh, Lions resigned Tracy Walker, who I think has been outstanding okay. the last couple of years. Um, Lions resigned Tim Boyle because who doesn't want Tim Boyle in the NFL? Um, Mitch Moore signed, re-signed for the Bills, big signing two year, 19.5 million. There's a lot of money for center, but he is one of the best out there. Uh, AJ Bowie got released. Um, Braxton Barris re-signed for the Jets. I didn't even see that. Oh, he did, did he? Okay, yeah, two year, 12 million dollar deal. Nice, who doesn't love Braxton Barris? Bengals also signed uh, BJ Hill, three year, 30 million dollar deal. Great. So that's a, a, a good deal to get him we re-signed and done. He was great in the playoffs. So great to see BJ Hill um, back with the Bengals. I think that's, I missed uh, Jets O-lineman got signed as well. Uh, they put big money in on their own. Uh, on uh, Lakin Tomlinson, who's a guard, three-year, $40 million deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that kind of gets us up to date, I think, uh, on the big stuff for now. Um, obviously, as we go through this podcast, there will be some breaking news. We will try and break it at an appropriate time and manner. Hopefully, it's something exciting. Um, like, uh, I don't I don't know. What would be the most... Okay, open this up to everyone. What would be the most exciting signing that you could have, given what's already happened, and given the fact that something like Deshaun Watson is not going to happen during this podcast because he's going to visit teams tomorrow. What would be the most exciting thing that could happen in the next, like, 55 minutes? Maybe a juju pick up somewhere. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Gronk coming back. I'd like pie in the sky. Yeah. I want him to the Bengals. Who? Well, Gronk to the Bengals. He won't. No, no. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No. You can have OJ Howard. No, he won't, but that's... I would like to mm-hmm. see... We'll I'm trying to think what would happen. I'd like to see... 
I don't know, something like Zach Ertz, see where he lands up. I think he, he signed for the cards. Oh, he has signed for the cards. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So now that one's done. Uh, I don't know. Not what else is there? No, I mean, most of the quarterbacks. I mean, Alan Robinson would be exciting to see where he drops. Um, um, Fournette, Fournette, I guess, would be the one. I'd like to see what happens in the next hour with Fournette. He's coming back. Get... I think so, because he released his statement and then he's deleted it. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> so to say he was to basically say goodbye to everyone and delete that makes me think he could uh, go somewhere. So we'll find out um, some stuff as we go through, and I'll keep it up to date uh, yes. as we go through. But uh, we brought Hannah on, not just because she's just joined Five Yard um, and joined the, the ranks of the, the Dynasty guys, but because... I think this is going to be a really interesting episode for people just getting into fantasy football um, and people who are at this time of year, they've probably seen all their mates play last year or they play, they play very casually and thinking, actually, I really like to win my league. Um, oh, someone, Harry, I'm getting trolled here by Harry, who's turned around and said to me that has my opinion on noodle legs changed. Uh, yeah, purely <laughs> simple because he turned up in a different team and, uh, one, he won a Lombardi, and two, he doesn't have noodle legs anymore. He seems to have put some muscle on. He just finally sorted it out. So, yeah, my opinion has changed on Leonard Fournette. It's amazing what will happen when someone wins you a, a Super Bowl. Um, Harry, when when that happens with the Browns in 2052, then uh, let me know, and you'll probably have your opinions changed on someone as well. It's like big. That's how you keep audience, right? Oh. Trolling. Um, no. Uh, yeah, so Harry's story is amazing. Um, and it I want is. to share this because I think there's going to be a lot of really good learnings for fantasy players out here, new and experienced. Um, Got my notebook ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the, the first question is sort of how did you get into in the fantasy football? Like, Because um, it really was, has only been the last 12 months. So how, how did you get into it? Um, what sort of made you want to play? Yeah, so I started off like as a very casual NFL watcher, like my dad got me into it a little bit. I went to the Bengals games when they came to London, got myself into it a bit more. Lockdown came, I live on my own, I kind of was like, you know, what am I going to do with myself? Got a bit more into the NFL and I was like, oh really, you know, I'm enjoying following what's going on and everything like that. And then I saw a post on the NFL UK Facebook group and it was from yourself, Murph, that said, I'm putting together a rookie fantasy football <clears> league. Anybody interested? Just post in the comments. So I just said, yes, I'm interested in giving it a go. Join the league and the rest is history, really. Um, so it was it was actually all thanks to you, Murph, um, that, that got me into this in the first place. Yeah, you say thanks now. I'll give it a couple of years. Oh, you'll be so cursing cool. my name. <laughs> I, uh, I think I think I'm are cursing your name. But... <laughs> yeah. So, well, so I mean, at that stage, can I ask? Did you do you have an idea of what fantasy football meant? What it consisted of, or involved, no or you just liked the idea that there was some kind of game behind what you was watching? Yeah, exactly that. You know, I had like a very basic knowledge and understanding of the game and the players. And I, th I wanted to learn more and I thought, actually, this is a really good opportunity to learn more about different teams, the players on them, how they work. So when I joined the league, I had no idea. I didn't know what flex meant. Um, I didn't I actually didn't know that it was a weekly contest and that every week you played a different team 
and it was a win-loss record. I thought it was total points at the end to start with. I was like totally naive, had no idea about it at all. Um, and then obviously going into the league, Murph was great. He did little videos for us, explained a bit about it, how it worked. Um, I had a look at the playbook. He posted actually re really kindly the, what will it have been now, 2020 playbook, the original. Um, I basically devoured that and was like, right you know give me more so um i learned i learned as i went along i suppose really as i say i had no idea what it meant i actually have very few friends that into the nfl um so i was like i was never going to manage to get in there without i don't have a home league mm. you know so i wasn't going to be able to start playing fantasy without getting into something like this so when murph's post came up I was like brilliant this is an in-rope for me to to give it a go I didn't actually realize I would get into it as much as I have um, I thought it'll just be a bit of fun see what happens I think it's interesting insight for me right because I, I did it because my mission years ago was I really want to end these random NFL.com leagues because they're not real leagues. We join, it's a bunch of random people and no one sets lineups after week three and it's kind of like dead. There's no chat. There's no nothing to it. Um, and I thought the people would join a league if everyone was kind of of a similar skill. Like you have people maybe you've played one year, but not really taking it that seriously with people who have never played before. And like, I thought it'd be really interesting dynamic just to see how people kind of respond to that. And I think for the most part, it was positive. I think what was interesting was the questions that came through because they're questions that I would never have even thought to have answered in a league, which was more around, like you said, we like when people were baffled by the idea that you play different people every week. And like, I completely forget that people don't even know what fantasy football is. So the fact of like having to explain like weekly fixtures and a, like the playoffs, I knew I'd have to explain. Like I got that, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not total points. As you set a team every week, and I thought the draft aspect that would take ages, the waivers, all of that, got very few questions on that because I think people kind of got it quite quickly. But the actual concept of oh wait, so I set a team every single week and I've got to play different people and how does that work? And, and and I was like, yeah, God, yeah, people are like, that was the insight for me was the mechanics of it and people's fear of it. People genuinely fear fantasy football, like getting into it. Like the amount of people in that yeah. group and not just in your league, because I set three of these up, but people were saying, when I spoke to people when they wanted to join, it's like, I just don't want to be made to feel silly joining a league and like asking questions and, not knowing like how the rules work and i don't feel like i can ask questions in a league i'm in that says how do i set a lineup or like, things like that that's exactly it you know it is you know having literally never experienced it before it's really intimidating to go into a league where there's people that have played it for years you know they know exactly what they're doing they know how the league set is working like waivers, free agency, all that really blew my mind to start with. Um, and so it was just so nice to have these leagues where there's a bunch of people that have very little experience. I think most of the people in my league were, you know, casual NFL fans, but never experienced 
fantasy before so we're all kind of learning together and it was a it was a great learning curve especially before the draft like a lot of my learning came from when I joined the league you know speaking to you getting all the stuff like pre-draft really so learning what it all means how the draft works how you know you pick up on waivers and all that kind of stuff was all learned like with those guys with you um you know that way and then once I'd kind of got that the hang of that a lot of my initial learning then changed to how do you draft you know and moving on to those kind of you know doing your different strategies and stuff but all my initial learning was in that league with you and asking you loads of questions through that way so it was really nice way to get into it and you know I would always recommend if these leagues ever get set up for beginners or like you know one to two years it's worth getting in them because people are just so open and happy to chat through things and discuss things it it really just helps set you off on the right foot, you know. Sure, in a league like that as well, others are asking questions that maybe you haven't even thought of. So to get them answers, go. I don't even consider that. That's a that's a great point. So, but I guess it means being in that group of peers in a very similar position actually takes a lot of the pressure off, and it means that you can ask a question without the intimidation and things like that. So it really does bring people out. So I'm actually going to presume a little bit here. You probably had quite an active chat in there, and probably all got on quite quite well throughout the year. Yeah, we did. It was it was great. And uh, we've actually just set up our own little dynasty nice. league that we're going to start this year. So I think you set up three leagues, didn't you, Murph? And I think our league is maybe the only one that's still going. No, so what, yeah, um, what happened was the three leagues got set up. Two of the leagues were very active, yours and... And it was a good social experiment, if nothing else, right? <laughs> yours and another league were really active, or at least had a very core group of very active players. Maybe there was like one or two that kind of like dropped out here and there. Um, and there was a third league that was much quieter than the others. And I think it was made up of certain players who didn't really want to take on a lot of advice and kind of just try and work it out, mixed with people who perhaps have played before. And I think there was a group of people in there, maybe three or four players, who because the active the chat wasn't that active, there weren't that many questions. And I was trying to like preempt stuff like, do you guys want any info on this? It was kind of like very little back and forth. And I was like, okay. Um, so what happened was we the three leagues have become two. So yeah, it's just become two. So what's happened is that I basically took so I think your league, ten people remained of the twelve. I think that's right. So two people came over and then the other two, the other leagues basically combined um, because they were people who are happy to play. I was like, well, if I merge these two leagues together, work. And, and they, they did because I think it was 10, eight. And then I think the other one was like six. I think two and four kind of were mm. like something like that. I can't remember the exact numbers, but that's kind of what happened. And you can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. 
We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. I think it's it was interesting for me because your your group chat was very friendly and it was very much like we're all in this together. Everyone kind of wants to learn and and ask questions. And there was rivalries that developed, but it wasn't like silly, like ridiculous, like hatred banter. It was all like everyone was kind of in this together kind of thing. The the second group was a little bit of rivalry, some needling, but on the whole was still really good nature. The third one just again had very, very little. And it was interesting to see how people's behaviors changed towards fantasy football mm. based on group chats. And this and again, it fundamentally went back to if you're in a league where people are chatting and it's active and people are involved, the league is better. It's just better. Yeah. Um, full stop, which is why home leagues are so great. It's why so many people have them. But not everyone, as you say, can have a home league because they don't have enough people who are into the NFL. So if we can create that environment, replicate and have more and more, like you said, you built a dynasty league out of it, it has become in its own right. That is your home league. league. Yeah, it is now. That is exactly it. Um, I classify that as as my home league. And we actually agreed last year that the winner owes everyone at the London Games a year. Ah, so that's what they get. Higher stakes, stakes home leagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's all awesome. that's what it's about. Yeah. And I think that's it. Um, I think it's just about having that community, isn't it? I um I was really I was like, right, I really want to do really well in this league. Um, because I was like, I want to just, you know, it's my home league. I want to I want to nail it. And I had Derek Henry and Robert Woods and the first few weeks, Cortland Sutton, I was like, right. I was like, second place. I was like, this is going great. And then one by one, <laughs> they either basically got injured or yeah. fell into irrelevance. Yeah. And I didn't even like the Nuff didn't explain that, did he? After so, all the talk of who you're going to draft, exactly. they're just going to get injured halfway through the year. You're going to have to be picking up. <laughs> Nobody's off the waiver wire. Dara Gumbawali played in a playoff game for me. No didn't say that, did he? Don't even. He guaranteed me a win when I joined. So I'm very disappointed. Yeah, fine. So how did, I need to know, yeah, you, you joined that league. How did it pan out? How yeah. did how did it work out for you? How did work some vice transfer? So that league, not so well. Okay. That league, not so well. Um, I, as I say, I ended up missing out on the playoffs. Um, so I was very disappointed there. But it started something. I don't know. I read, I read the playbook, mm-hmm. 2020. I bought 2021. And I devoured it and I just loved like the strategy Mm -hmm. of the game it just kind of got me hooked and I loved reading about where you should draft players and why it makes sense to draft them in these positions and why if you're not getting like one of these top quarterbacks you should maybe wait or similar with tight ends why you should take Mm -hmm. them either high or or low and it's the strategy like the, the statistics all things like that it's just something that really intrigued me so I was like, right, I know I want to play more of this. Um, at first I was like, okay, I'm just going to play one league this year, like get the hang of it. Mostly. We all say that. Every year. <laughs> yeah, how you, how, you, how you get through waivers, you know, how it works. You know, really just focus on one to try and be a winner. And then Merv sent me a, um, 
an invitation to the FFCC. Nice. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, if Merv sent me an invitation to this, maybe it means that, you know, I, I, I could be okay and, and enter some other leagues. So I think a few weeks later, I heard loads of people talking about the Scott Fish Bowl. <laughs> and I was like, ooh. I like the sound of this. Um, and so I just went on. Obviously, I was too late to for the main one. But um, amazingly, I managed to get into the satellite. Nice. And I think it was like four weeks later, It was our, we were drafting. So obviously, it's the first basically draft of the year, isn't mm. it? Well, I had no idea what I was doing. It was the best <laughs> ball. You found MFL as well then? Oh, well, that was bad <laughs> enough. And then I was like, it was like, I think it's 20-odd rounds, isn't it? 22. Um, and, yeah. and I was like, I don't even know who half of these names are at the bottom. <laughs> I was like, you know, it gets around 18. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Never mind whether you're going to help me or not. Obviously, I came last. But it was amazing. I met so many really lovely mm. people in it. It was great. And it just went on from there. You know, I joined, oh, way too many general <laughs> redrafts. And I, I, I actually loved the... Um, you know, those charity tournaments, yep. they, they've been my favourite. It, it makes me feel good that I give money to charity and it gives me the opportunity to play more fantasy. And I met so many amazing people through those charities, mm. you know, in those tournaments. Mm. And it's amazing when you see at the end, you know, we gave this much money to the cause that we really feel passionate about. Good. So it all kind of just stemmed the passion and kept me wanting to play more and more. And unfortunately, I, I probably did overstretch myself. I ended up in about 30 <laughs> leagues, I think, wow. in the end. O over best ball and redraft. And that was just Murph sending you invites week after well, week. I can see it. Listen, I mean, best, best ball's fine. Like, I, you know, I, I write yeah. in the playbook that, like, best ball's best ball. You draft and you're done. Redraft. Like, I, I, I see best yeah. ball as, <laughs> as preseason, right? So I just do a ton of best balls. Because you don't have to do anything. You draft a team, it's done. Like you do the yep. draft, you meet people. It's just it's just batting practice, right? So I'll do fifty to to eighty drafts between sort of about now. Um, I was a bit earlier last year. I've not had that motivation I perhaps normally have. Um, to to June um, to just do best balls because you start to understand just how to draft, where players are going. It becomes a bit of like muscle memory. The downside is you don't enjoy drafts in draft season as much. Um, mm -hmm. So like I get to I get to draft season, I get to August, and I'm kind of like done drafting. <laughs> I'm like I've been doing this for five months now. I'm quite tired. <laughs> I kind of just like you're just because you're like in complete muscle memory auto pick mode, and you're yeah. just like, oh, okay, so I'm at the four oh eight, and Robert Woods is on the board, so I'm just going to take Robert Woods because that's what I do at the four oh eight push done and move on and it's like you, you definitely sucks the joy out of it so i don't recommend it but obviously for rankings purposes and um all the stuff i joined jack here is pushing dfs um which i definitely will get jack that's what on. i did a lot of last year i went to away from best balls and went to dfs best balls pre-season basically did a mm. lot of those so and um, it's a definitely another way to do it because obviously you're entering contests there's money involved i mean they're very short they're like dollar entries and they? they're not exactly going to break your balance, but you get more somehow. By they end up in a hurry. <laughs> Pardon? They end up in a hurry. Yeah, well, I, but the thing is, is, you've got skin in the game, so you actually get better quality players. So it does your preseason 
now it's a bit more. So it I no go sorry, ahead. I was a bit slow on the DFS train, but but got into it like later on in the season, mm -hmm. and I really liked it. Actually, quite like it in season because it is very different. You know, you're looking. Obviously, you've got you know unlimited player pool with your money, but it, a lot of it's about matchups. You know, who's going to potentially you know get the touchdowns, have the most catches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I really like the best balls, um, especially you know in the, my first year. Um, especially early in the season, just to try out the different strategies that people talk about, you know, like taking the tight end early, taking, you know, numerous running backs and then wide receivers. How do you like yeah. the build of your team? Do you think it looks good? How would you do it different? And also like learning how to react to what other people do. Like last year I found for me as a beginner, I listened to a lot of what people said, which I still do try and listen to people's opinions, of course. But because I was such a beginner, I didn't know a lot. I'd be like, okay, Murph said that Robert Woods might be good this year. So I took Robert Woods everywhere. <laughs> and then obviously got the, it, it, these things happened, but he got the, you know, Cooper Cup came out yeah. and dominated and then he got the injury. So uh, and he often was my wide receiver one that I took because I would take a couple of running backs because I was like, right, I want to get those running backs. And then he would be my wide receiver one. So I just found that I had way too much of him. And then that affected a lot of my yeah. um, teams and my leagues. So I think this year I want to kind of open up. It's different because obviously I, and a lot of what we do is we do do a lot of different leagues. So you do have the opportunity to take yep. players. Diversify you know, that different, pool, yeah. Yeah, from different um, you know, with the different leagues, which is a bit more difficult if you've only got one or two. But I would not just take one player on it. It wasn't every team, but if he was there in a set round, like you said, I'd take him. Yeah. And then I ended up with so much of him that it really did affect a lot of my team. So this year I would definitely plan to widen my horizon. So I had no Jonathan Taylor last year, <laughs> which I immediately regretted as well after about week six or whatever. <laughs> I regretted that, you know, pre-season I was like, nah, you know, Murph's not that into him. <laughs> I can kind of see. Oh, why oh, it, wasn't all, oh, it wasn't all from Murph. It wasn't all from Murph. But just, when I very first we started... We just Murph from the podcast now. We don't need him. I've spent a year defending this Jonathan <laughs> Taylor take. I said I just didn't like him where he was. All right, and I got it wrong. But yep. I said he's, he's, he's a wide receiver one in the second round. Like basically a running back one, so I take him mm -hmm. if he's available in the second round. I'm drafting him. He's not a, a he's not a top ten pick for me. Um, and people were drafting him at six, and, and it worked. And like fair play, him. like it worked. Everyone else yeah. went down. It was, you know, if if you want to play survivor and it's the guy at the end, then you know lift the torch. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so Hannah, you started with Murphs joining a league. You ended up in about thirty, yeah, a million, a million yeah. and one probably, yeah. Did you get any success from any of them? Oh, do you know what? Amazingly, I did. And I actually didn't think I would because, again, speaking to people, they were like, look, first year, just, you know, concentrate on trying to make it to the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and I definitely think some of my success was luck for yep. sure. But one of, my, one of my proudest achievements, actually not a win, but I came second in the um, fantasy football down under bowl. Nice. And I was well pleased with that. Like, I'm not entirely sure 
How? Oh yes, Benny Snell. I remember yeah, three that. Three episodes one. talking about Benny Snell yeah. at the end of last season. So <laughs> would have been a great pick. Otherwise, don't win something. Hey, listen. All mm. I'm going to say is that Najee Harris completely declined at the end of the season. I was half right. I get, yeah. I get half a point for for that. I was telling us about a fantasy success. But yeah, Come exactly. On. No, it's all right. I, I, no. but, but yeah, that was one of my proudest actually. Could be coming coming second at the fantasy football down under bowl. But I was a winner in one of the five yard um, listener leagues, which I was. So really have you got a t shirt yet? I do. I was going to wear it, but I thought that might be bragging. So. I've been playing five years and so. I haven't got a t shirt yet. Are you? <laughs> you see, I actually genuinely didn't really think that my year was that, you know, exciting. <laughs> I think it's. If I'm honest, I like, think it's massively exciting. I didn't think I'd do anything, you know, anything different to anyone else. Uh, if I'm honest, but yeah, I was I was really pleased with my results. Now next year, probably, I'm not going to win anything. But I was just yeah, I've got the t-shirt, so you'll have to join the crew at some point then, Dan. But you did win your BFFL uh, conference, didn't you? My BFFL so actually had the best football team, so we won't worry about that. That's fine. Yeah, so there you are. See, you win some, you lose some in tech. Um, but I, I did win one of the redrafts nice. um, and one of one of my best balls, yep. which was actually, interestingly, where I took the tight end in the first round. Okay. So I was like, I'll give this yeah. again, make a change. So for somebody listening now that's in the position you was in 12 months ago, right? They're, they're, they're mm-hmm. an NFL casual. They've heard of fantasy. They kind of read a bit about it, but not really sure. What would you advise them for getting into it? And what would you advise them as the key to your success, really? Where should they focus their time and effort? Well, so for me, I think a lot of it is about keeping up with what is going on in the league because things change really quickly week to week. So what you draft is very rarely what you end up Mm -hmm. with at the end of the year, which I was very surprised. I don't know why, but I was very surprised. When you finish your draft, you think, oh, right, I've got this team and it's amazing. And then actually by the end of it, half of them are injured. Half of them, the the quarterback's, you know, rubbish. And, oh, not rubbish, but, you know, they're they're not getting the the, the touches that you thought they'd get. And you end up with totally different randomers Mm -hmm. that you never, ever thought you'd have by the end of it. So I think a lot of it is keeping up with what's going on. Um, so for me, I often would, I would, I listen to quite a few different podcasts. So especially in the season, you know, you need to know who you want to pick up on the waiver wire and some, you know, you'll get an idea. Someone's gone down injured. You kind of got an idea who's going to be, um, next up for me. I didn't actually know, or what I struggled with is in those leagues that, that had the fab, how much should I put on it? How much is too much? How much is not enough that I'm probably not going to get that player? I really struggled with that. And so I found that the podcast really, really, really helped me. Um, and I think, you know, it is, it's a game of strategy and it's all about all you've got to do is be better than the other players in your league. You don't have to be like the best ever. You just need to be ahead of the game and a, a bit better than everyone else. So I, I have to say I, I really did love the playbook okay. because it's – it had those strategies in it and it just helped me understand it a bit more but it's all about fun isn't it and I think you know as a beginner you've got to put into it as much as you want to put into it so if you just want to go draft a team and then 
you know, not think much much else about it, then play a best ball, you know, and, and go from there. But if you want to get, you know, a bit more serious about it and potentially try and win, then I would say, you know, the strategy is important. So things like the playbook helped me. I read a few other things that, um, like, the consistency guide and Joe Pizapia's one I found really useful just for different ways to draft and what players might be um, useful to, to draft. And then I just listened and, and read a lot. It's all just about increasing your knowledge and being ahead of everyone else. And did you? F- I also like Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry. No. I just like Twitter just for the um, beat writers. Mm-hmm. Because if you're looking at your phone at that time that they say someone's got injured in practice or whatever, you can get in there and get your, you know, pick up that player before anyone else can. Yeah. So have you found that reading all those, sorry, roughly, them bits, you obviously took in their opinion of where a player should be or an idea or a strategy. Have you kind of moulded them and found Hannah's strategy and Hannah's values now in your head? I think it's still a work in progress and I suspect that that will be for me for a a, some time what what I personally would like for myself is to um, obviously I appreciate other people's opinions that have done this for a long time and use some of their opinions but also use them to formulate my own but I also want to be able to watch the film and say I think this player you know, looks good. I'm, I can identify if this player might break out or, you know, whatever that might be. And I'd also like to look at the stats myself. So I kind of want to make my own little, you know, how yeah. how do I make, make my tiers? How do I make rank my players? But I think when you first start, it, it's, it's a lot. And I, I like using other people's and just, like you say, amalgamating them to make your own. So Murph might have Benny Snell as the 10th running black um, you know, in his ranks, um, and someone else might have him as running back forty, yeah. and then you've got to decide yourself, haven't you? Where do you want to put him? Do you want to put him at thirty? Do you want to put him? So it is useful, and some people do put um, like Excel sheets of everyone's different ranks, and then you know you make their own. If you copy them, the, the often what you get is that people don't know they know who's adding ranks, you know rankings if you're copying them people are gonna this is what you've said to me before Murph people are gonna guess that you're following them and Nick before you manage to get them mm-hmm. so strategic about Fair. it so yes I I kind of uh, last year I, I did kind of I didn't sit down and write down my rankings I kind of just did it as I went along sometimes I would sit there for ages in a draft trying to pick a player and should, who should I pick between Tim Patrick and someone else who's similarly not going to be my wide receiver one? I'd be there for ages. <laughs> Whereas I think now, like this year, I, would, I prefer to write my own out, you know, yep. and have it there. And you can just be like, right, yeah, I've got this one here. Click, move on. It saves a lot of time. Murph, can I come and ask you? Hannah's so also said it. she does a lot of reading and researching and the, the strategy behind it and so on. You ran these these, these new guys to... To, to fantasy leagues um you had a lot of questions from them i'm gonna guess knowing you it's not the first time you've done it either if somebody came to you and said i'm thinking of doing it how do i start what do i do what's the one bit of advice you would offer up to them would it be something similar or 
I think I'd always answer the question with, what do you want to get out of it? Mm -hmm. Because I think that will massively depend on the advice I would give. If the advice is, I want to create a really fun league for people like myself or my friends, or I just want to join a league where I can have lots of fun, then I would propose that everything you do is to make it fun. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'd propose, I'd say, well, listen, you know, to make it fun. You need a really good, I'd suggest a WhatsApp group, get to know everyone, um, have some chats going, put in some forfeits, put in some prizes, you know, and I'd focus more on the league element of it yeah, than yeah. on the strategy element, because it'd be like the whole point of this is to make it engaging and, and fun. Yeah. If someone says to me, well, I, I want to get into this because I want to win leagues. I'm a competitive person. I love games. I love the idea of just playing against random people and winning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then my advice would be very different. And it would be more focused on the strategy element. And, you know, the one thing I've said to, to Hannah repeatedly over the last 12 months is I don't, and to other people that I don't think the strategy element is ever really covered in great detail in a lot of places because whether that's just because people don't you can live a long healthy life if you're hiv positive with the current treatments we can get patients down to being undetectable the array of options is so much greater today u equals u undetectable equals untransmittable if someone who's hiv positive they're taking their medication they're undetectable they're not able to pass hiv to their partners do it for you montgomery county your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforumc.org. Are scared of it. People don't feel that there's a strategy to it. People don't feel like I think the game theory part is why Hannah has got the results that she's got because she's understood that there is a game theory. That's the first yeah. thing. People just think it's names. And, and stats and people can sit there and study all the last season's players and all the last season's productivity and, and just pick players based on that. And do you know what? You'll probably do all right. You'll probably get into the playoffs picking off last year's stats if you stay relatively injury free and you'll probably, you know, have fun doing it. But are you going to consistently outperform the the mean? No, because eventually that will all run out. It's It's more luck based. It's like poker. You have to sit there and think about how you can tilt the odds in your favor. And there's so many aspects to game theory mm-hmm. that are really important. And the first thing is just understanding that there is game theory. In every single league, in every single type of fantasy football, there is game theory. And it's, it's not HBO. just yeah. But it's not just about strategy of where to take players. You know, one of the things that I did on the Patreon last year was talking about when to stack, when to get handcuffs when to drop handcuffs when to pick up certain types of players when to drop certain type of players when to refresh your entire bench for the playoffs or before the playoffs we talked about it you and i on this pod dan you know and i think they're the elements that you don't pick up straight away like they take work and research and everything so going back to your original question 
the question always goes back to me and that I give back is, what do you want to get out of this? If you want to have fun, I will tell you 10, 20 ways in which you can have an absolute ball playing fantasy football. And some people just aren't serious. They play one or two leagues every year and they put some money down or they do some beers, they do a live draft. Do you know what? I, that's brilliant. Like I, I'm not going to tell people how they, how involved they should get in a hobby. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're getting fun and enjoyment out of it, that's what matters. But if you want to get to the point where you're competing in charity tournaments, you're going deep in charity tournaments, whatever, where you just want to win, you've got that hunger and desire to win games, mm-hmm. then, you know, there's a different answer to that. But I think, you know, for me, it's what I liked about the groups last year was there was a nice blend where I think the social having a good league element was triumphed slightly over the wanting to win but there was a very nice balance of both where people wanted a nice environment where people wanted to learn but people wanted to win and i think that's a nice if you can get that environment for when you start playing it's perfect it's perfect because you can yeah. you get the best of both you get that yeah. hunger to want to do more and play in more leagues and meet more people and you'll find that a lot of people do want that. They want to play in engaging, entertaining leagues and also want to win. And I think there's more people like that, but it's about finding that balance so that neither is overly tilted over the other. Um, so I think I think my advice would be, if you want to get into this, you can always hit me up. I'm going to do the rookie leagues again. Um, but vice versa, reach out to people like Hannah because you know, you, you're 12 months removed from this story. I'm 22 years into fantasy football. You know, there are things that... I I just don't think about like I did not even think about the fact that I had to explain it's a head to head league. Like I just don't <laughs> it sounds stupid. You wouldn't, would you? No. Yeah. I just wouldn't. I just there was no, I know there's things I'll need to explain in the game, but that was like one I just didn't even think that people would and that, that was one I spent more time on explaining how the actual winning of fantasy football works <laughs> than actually explaining like I can how just see you now that question coming again. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's exactly what it was. By We're the way, here. Gonna... We're starting here. <laughs> I do have a bit of news here. Um, first of all, Christian Kirk's contract. Wouldn't normally mention, but this is silly money. Christian oh, yes. Kirk has signed a four-year deal worth $72 million that would rise to $84 million. He's never had a thousand-yard um, season, has he? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he got the Kenny Golladay deal. Congratulations! That is mega money. I his agent, his agent needs to. Uh, wow! I, I I just saw that a few minutes ago. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's madness. So yeah, um, yeah. I think I think the I think why Hannah was successful was she understood early that the the game theory was as and the, that's the part she enjoys, right? Yeah. So it goes hand in hand. It's if you enjoy strategy games and that mindset of being in a strategy, you're always going to do okay, even if you don't necessarily see immediate results. Well, that's it. You can almost take player names out of it if you're playing that game theory bit and have it as player A, player B, player C, and you're looking at the theory behind each. Who they are, where they are, is irrelevant, effectively. I've always said for years is... Sorry, I've always said for years that... I could draft a pretty mediocre team and still win a league. Yep. 
off. I, you can lose a league at draft, but you very rarely win a league at a draft. Stocks and I've said this for years, but I can take a team. I think back to my Warrior Bowl team from the inaugural Warrior Bowl, and I look back on that team and I think it's one of the worst drafts I've ever had. I didn't like it when it was done. I really hated it after week one, but I knew how to how to get out of that situation. That's why you'll never see me with a an 0-1 or 2-win record very often. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, I'll always back myself to get four wins just based off working the waiver wire <clears> and, <throat> and the strategy element of knowing when to pick, when to release players based on the ebbs and flows of the season. Like, I always know I'll get that many extra games. It's just how many games can my drafted team get me for wins to stack on top, and that's the difference between making playoffs and not. You were going to say something, Anna? Just the other thing. yeah, just the other thing I would say, um, going back to what you know, what we would say to people mm. starting out is like, don't be afraid to ask questions, whether that be in your league or reaching out to any of of us. I um, when I first started doing best ball, actually, I learned about best ball from the playbook. Um, and I said to Murphy, would you know, how can I play best ball? And he set up very kindly one league for me there. But also Tom, who is um, best ball UK, is NFL best ball UK. He set up a couple of free ones too. So I joined those and I, and I just messaged him and said, like, how does this work? You know, how, what's, what do you consider the strategy for this? How is it different from redraft? And I just asked him so many questions. And even now, I still get in touch and say, so, you know, what would you take away from the 2021 season, Tom, for best ball? And what, you know, what do you think for next year? And I I met loads of really great people who have always been very willing to answer my questions. And I just ask. And I think that's another reason why I've been I've been very lucky, because they really not kindly answer my questions. Mm-hmm. But another reason why I think I probably did reasonably well is because I wasn't scared to ask yep. and people really people will spend their time really kind and help yeah so really don't be afraid to reach no. out people are lovely there are very very few bad eggs in the fantasy community as a whole and within the UK I think it's even less so um just a, a quick one Devondra Campbell well, is going back to Green Bay five year 50 million dollar deal it's a good deal for okay good yeah. deal for, Good deal for Green Bay, that. I think uh, he was inspirational last year in that D. Um, they've obviously signed him to a team-friendly up-front deal. I, I think five years, 50 mils, pretty money. So, uh, yeah, Devondre Campbell back to Green Bay. So, Hannah, how will you take what you've learned in your first 12 months? How will you change it or apply it moving forward in this next 12 months? So, from general, wow. I mean, there's so much that I have learned. <laughs> Um, I tell you what, the one thing that really, like the waiver wire, yeah. it's like a beast in itself. And it took me, I would say, the whole year to figure out how best to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year, I am I'm planning to, I basically think I need to be quicker. So I kept um, like Tyler Higby on my team for way too long because I was like, you know, he runs loads of routes. He's clearly going to start producing fancy, and he he just never did. I just need to be quicker, drop him quicker, pick some. I could have picked up Dawson Knox. I could have picked up Schultz, yeah. and they would have really helped me for my team. So, as I say, I, I actually found the wave wire quite scary to start with. Okay, um, and I would say for people like 
don't be afraid of it just go with the strategy and go with it so that's you know spend a fortune on that running back that's emerging Mm -hmm. you know if you want to but just know that you've if you're going to do that you're going to have nothing else for anyone else so i i'm just going to be braver i would say on the waiver wire and i'm going to try new things so like i said before pick up different players that i haven't picked up before even if i'm not totally sure about them because who would have said cooper cup was going to be the wide receiver one last year no 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 one so i picked up robert woods everywhere if i'd have just got one or two shares of cooper cup i might have won more leagues than i did you know be, be brave pick people that you're not totally sure of if it doesn't work you'll just drop them and and pick up someone else as they emerge through the through the season. Yeah, I think... And enjoy it. The early weeks always have a... On the waiver, I always have a... Well, this guy wasn't drafted by 12 people, so he can't be any good. He's left in that pot for a reason. But the key is that none of the 12 people know how teams, especially in the early two, three weeks, are going to play out, how certain positions are going to roll out, how usage... There's a head coaches change, there's coordinator changes, there's play caller changes. Mm. No one factors that into a draft. You can't until you actually translate it to a field... So because someone hasn't been drafted in 25 rounds by 12 people doesn't mean they're worthless at all. The other the other piece of information I would say is, right, is that mm. at the start of the season, most drafts either occur before preseason or during preseason. Yep. And you've got no data to go off. What you've got is old data, incomplete data that's effectively wrong because yep. the NFL changes. As soon as it turns, we're watching today, we're watching a whole new team sign we've got new coaches we've got new coordinators we've got new players you've got a whole mm-hmm. different locker room you know teams don't are not the same everything changes so like everything we knew last season we kind of have to keep in the back of our mind but it is in the back of our mind you know if you work off that and you use that as your point of reference it's going to be wrong so people but unfortunately at the start of the season when you draft that's all you've got you haven't got anything else so you have to sit there and think about in the early weeks of the waiver wire, it's not the fact that people were wrong. It's the fact that we just didn't have good data. And therefore we now have data that now suggests that this is the way we should go. The problem and your point there, Hannah is spot on is that people are afraid. They get what I call draft love where they fall in love with a player that they have drafted. They've gone, I picked him. I picked him for a reason. I picked him because he's going to do this. And I, and you spend weeks trying to justify your own selection. And that's where people go wrong. Like that is the fundamental point between winners and losers of fantasy football. I will cut anybody on my roster at any time for whatever reason. I don't care if they're not going to produce, or I don't think they're they're not doing it. At some point, they've got to go. Now you have to assess when the right time is. There is a bit of feel in that, and sometimes you'll cut players too early, and sometimes you'll cut them too late. That is always going to happen. You'll never perfect it. There were times I moved on from Dalton Schultz last year and he then came back and had a strong end of season. These things happen. But at the same token, you're going to be more right than wrong. And as long as you're constantly refreshing your own player pool and you're refreshing your team, you're always going to give yourself the best opportunity to win, which is why, you know, one of the strategy points I always say to people is make sure you've got bench spots where you just recycle players every week. Because one, you don't end up falling in love with them because they always go off your roster before you've had them on. But two, you're always going to, it's, they're easy people to cut. Is when it takes away that need to drop somebody because you drafted them. You think, well, okay, well, I'll just drop this person because 
they didn't do anything last week and I just picked them up. It, it just makes it so much easier to have these transition spots on your roster and you don't think of them as players. You just think of them as spots where you, you pick people and then the decision comes when you pick that person, they go hot for three weeks and you think, I probably should keep him over. If I've not paid Tyler Higby for four weeks because I've picked up Dawson Knock, I should probably cut Tyler Higby. And then that's where it comes in. But again, that comes to the strategy and the gameplay and just being a little bit ruthless in the sense of you want to win, you've got to make tough calls. Same way in the NFL. You you can't get to keep everybody. That's not how the game works. You have to make those tough decisions. You know, the, the Packers would not have wanted to cut Zedaria Smith today. Oh. But they've had to because they've paid Aaron Rodgers and they've paid Preston Smith and they've paid Devontae Campbell. So someone has to go. That's the way it goes. And that's why I love the game so much because it mimics so many of those real-life elements yeah. in a much smaller microcosm kind of way. I, I think bench management is probably oh, what, what I kind of felt last year is probably the most important thing okay. uh, about winning because, you know, if your star running back goes down, it's handy. You know, or if a star running back goes down, if if that if their backup is already on your bench, you haven't had to pay anything to get them onto your team, and it's difficult sometimes. You don't always know when someone's going to break out, like what you know some yeah. of the right wide receivers, or whatever. But by just having those players that could potentially give you more at any point on your bench there's a chance that one of those is going to hit at some point and then you know they're, they're really going to help help you out and I think I didn't understand that probably for three quarters of the year okay. and it was only the last kind of quarter that I was like I've made such a mess for myself for some of my team so for all the well not all the success for the few successes that I have I certainly had many failures mm-hmm. and I I don't think I had any that didn't win any games, but I had a couple that were like one or two. And it, when I had a look at those, I was like, this bench is a state. You know, I've got myself into this terrible position where all of these players are not going to give me anything. So if someone goes down, I have nothing sat there useful that I can put in the place. If I'd have been active and recycling my bench, like Murph said, from the get-go, then I may well have had some players useful that I could have into there that would have won me more games okay. so I I, yeah. I think sometimes people leave the bench just sit, sitting there until something goes wrong and then they go oh crap mm. I need to do something and it fits in and, and this is where the FPL element of fantasy football comes for UK players because in the FPL and people play FPL because the bench is such a pointless aspect in FPL, like it doesn't matter because you get transfers anyway and you can select whoever you want. The bench is effectively fodder. And people translate FPL into into fantasy football in the same way. My bench doesn't matter. They're just people I have to have. And that is the the biggest critical difference that you can have. And it's just with with bench management, and this ties in with fab. People's fear of fab is irrational. It's hilarious. The amount of people that do not want to spend fab dollars early in the season is bearing like comical. I always have been someone who says I would spend the majority of my fab quite early on in the season. And now more than ever, am I convinced that I, if I dumped all my fab by week six, I don't care 
because I that's think I read something somewhere once of all the fab in all the leagues. I think only about fifteen percent of it ever actually gets spent. Yeah, and if it's crazy because if you went and spent all your fab on, um, ah, oh, the name has completely escaped me. The 49ers running back when Moose Sturt went there. Yeah, Try, if, you, yeah, if you spent all your fab on Elijah Mitchell in week two, week three. You were, you were probably pretty happy at the end of the season that you'd blown all your yeah. fab on Eliza Mitchell. Whereas people would have kept their fab and then would have spent it on someone like Dario Gumbawale in week 16, week 17. Who Listen, he, he had a decent performance. but did. Uh, but And if you were in the championship and you won because of that, congratulations. On the flip side of that, you look at the yield of return. If I spend $100 on Eliza Mitchell and he gets me into the playoffs and wins the league, that's 15 plus weeks I've had that player. The tangible return on that is brilliant versus paying someone you know money in the playoffs. In order to win the league and win the playoffs, you have to get into the playoffs, which is why I've got absolutely no qualms in spending my money prior to the playoffs to get into the playoffs. And then, yes, you might get a situation where Rashad Penny comes up late and you might miss out on him. And that that would be a shame. But that doesn't happen as often as people think it does, whether it's no. I'd rather have the player that gets me there. And that's that. that's the bench management piece that I think is underutilized in podcasts people will talk about you should pick up this player you should pick up this player but actually it's about why you pick them up yeah. what are you trying to achieve by picking them up i think is is just as important um just a quick one um the seahawks have signed will Disley to a three-year 24 million dollar deal i'll sit behind no fan the trade okay <laughs> fine um head up 2022 is coming up what are your fantasy aspirations coming into this year I just want to continue to get better, really. You know, for me, this this is actually very early in my journey. I have still so much to learn. Like, I really don't think you know everything by the end of your first season. The intricacies, it, it looks, from the outside, it looks like a very simple game. And in some ways it is. You know, you put in, you know, a set number of players into your lineup every week and you win or you lose. But... <laughs> There are lots of intricacies to to it that I think take some time to to, to learn. So I, I just want to learn more and more and get to know more and more people. Because to be honest, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is the people that I've met. You know, I've met so many amazing people. Okay, not necessarily in real life, but the HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I don't actually have many friends that are NFL fans. So coming into fantasy, you know, I've met so many people that enjoy the NFL, have some, you know, get a chance to talk to them, 
talk fantasy, which I've never had a chance to do before. So I just want to, you know, meet more people. I want to get better. I have started doing a little bit of research myself. So that's um, partly why I've come on board to Five Yard. So I'm actually doing a little bit of redraft to start nice. with. Um, some redraft articles and then you know we'll see how how things get on some but, great pieces of money um, recently i saw yeah just what what i was really interested in this year sorry i know we're going over You're but fine. just just really quickly what i found also last year was that actually consistency and reliability are really important so you know, if you if you're drafting someone in round one, you know their draft capital is is so high. You want them to re, to be reliable, you know, and you you need them to perform on a weekly basis. And I just wanted to know how many of those that we drafted were reliable, because you want to you want to pick someone that you think is going to give you consistent production. Now, obviously, you're going to get injuries that yeah. you can't, you know. And I just wanted to find out how reliable had had people being should we have been picking rookie running backs what did they give to us what's the chances that they're going to help us next year and i just wanted to have a look into that a little bit more and that was partly from you actually dan because obviously i was looking originally at like the top 12 so the wide receiver ones the running back ones I, it, you know, in redraft was. i'm a big avoider of rookies generally speaking because i'd always take a known entity over an unknown um it works sometimes sometimes it don't but that's that's how i value it is i'd sooner take the known than the unknown but um so i'd be intrigued to see how the different things pan out when you get to work on them and, and, and compare them to those experienced heads as well and what big values there are what i will say something you just said really triggered something in me and and what you said oh, was yeah. um no, no no in a good way oh. in the sense of uh <laughs> oh, look, look at ali he's in love Hi, Ali. Um, which was around, <laughs> you, you mentioned like you're in your first year transitioning, you're not going to expect to know everything in year one or year two. At 22 years in, you, I'm, I don't know everything. The reason why is you can never know everything because the game reinvents itself. Yeah. Because yeah. when I first started playing fantasy football, quarterbacks were drafted in the first round. You didn't draft running backs at all. And this is in the era of LaDamian Tomlinson and Priest Holmes. Um, you just didn't really draft running backs, yet they were your league winners. If you had LaDamian Tomlinson and Priest Holmes, yeah, I had yeah. in fact, in my 2001 team, I had both. Right. And I won my league by an absolute country mile. Like, I absolutely stormed it because mm -hmm. I had both of them and Peyton Manning. <laughs> Job done. Like, it was crazy, um, like, how you can get good players but the strategy's different and like the strategy will continue to be different. If you two years ago in the playbook I talk about you don't take a quarterback early at all under any circumstances. Well, we've really about how that might change, yeah. Exactly. Now now the whole landscape's changed. If you don't get one of those top six quarterbacks, you are in a bit of trouble. There is a penalty yeah. to pay. Now that doesn't mean you should reach for quarterback seven, quarterback eight, quarterback nine, but your team is much better off with a Josh Allen over a a Ryan Tannehill. And actually, there is a the perennial shift now is that actually you need to pay up to get these guys a little bit. Not necessarily advocating to just Josh Allen, but someone in mm -hmm. that, that group um, mm -hmm. versus not having them because you're advantageous. People now will be very scared next year of taking a first round running back because of the high propensity of injuries. 
I'm not sure if that's necessarily the right strategy, um, but that's something that will be researched and looked at in terms of how things change and the game changes. So just by the time you figure everything out, the whole thing goes topsy-turvy again and you've got to resolve it. And that, I think, is one piece of advice to new players and people who are just getting their, their handle in the game is that don't just assume that the game is the same every year because it actually will make slight changes and then fundamental changes. Like I remember when tight ends were a thing and now they're, they're not a thing. I mean, unless you play premium, they're just not really a big thing in fantasy football unless you get one of the elite ones. And then the same token, I remember when everybody just took wide receivers in the first four rounds and didn't take anyone else. Like again, mm. probably not at that, that stage. So yeah, just some things that I just thought were interesting that you said them that I wanted to clarify. But that, that, that's the fun of yeah, it, though, right? That it changes. Yeah. You know, if it, if it you always knew, oh, I draft running backs in round one, wide receivers in round mm. two, quarterbacks in round three, it just gets boring and stale, really doesn't does. it? And actually, some of the fun of it is trying to find what new things can I do this year that other people haven't grasped yet that will give me the advantage because it's all about just getting advantage over other people, isn't it? And, and, yeah. And that's a huge thing. It's, it's just if you can start to understand that, then you're going to be in a great place. And that's the fun of the game is if you like puzzles or problems and challenges and strategy, then this is this is the game for you. And and if not, then, you know, it might not be. <laughs> that's why I like drafting on the turn a little bit as well. I like drafting on either end mm. and doing something totally unexpected and out of the ordinary a little <laughs> bit. And just... Because then everybody isn't just going, I'll take a running back now, I'll take a quarterback now. And all of a sudden, they've actually got to think about what's sat in front of them because the, the whole dynamic has just changed in, in 10 minutes in front of their eyes. And if you can throw them off their thought pattern and their thinking process, that will benefit you in the long run, I'm sure. So One one of my favourite strategy pods that we did years ago, Stocks and I, right, was, was talking about um, drafting on the turn, right? You've just brought this up. And how my favorite thing to do that particular year was to take two players at the same position on each turn. <laughs> I'm in a draft right now and I've done one and two, three and four, and five and six, exactly that. Yeah. So it, because <laughs> what it does is it causes one, a depletion in the player pool, and two, yep. it forces a run. So if you do it in yep. a super flex league and you go quarterback, That's quarterback, fine. it forces yep. people. Yeah. The psychology because otherwise is... you're picking you're picking running backs and wide receivers behind everybody so get ahead of the second one and force their mm-hmm. panic and then when it comes around again you're ahead of the curve again the, i took the risk two of quarterbacks that... what did i do i took two quarterbacks first in dak prescott and Jalen hurts from the 12 in a super flex i then went with do 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 bear with me uh Devontae adams and deandre hopkins Three and four, probably a bit of a reach on Hopkins in the dynasty, and then Antonio Gibson and Cam Akers following that. And it, it causes people to rethink the strategy. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is if you get it wrong, it's a very expensive mistake because if you it's go a dynasty league, it'll pan yeah. itself out in time. Because if you go quarterback, quarterback, and then no one takes, or oh, there's very few quarterback picks between when you could have selected and when you did, mm-hmm. then you've overpaid. And that is where the nuances of that strategy kind of can fall apart, but it's a funny thing to do. I would recommend everybody to try at least once because it's funny watching people's faces. <laughs> I had one last year in a tight end premium where I did it and I took Kittle and Kelsey, I think on a turn and yeah. that was it. Suddenly there was like the end of the second round and people are, people are drafting like 
all sorts Robert of tight Tonyan. ends from nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> basically, because they're like, this is a tight end premium, and I haven't got one, and everyone else yeah. has. <laughs> Great, I, I let all the wide receivers come back to me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, when that happens. The, th- the beauty, I think, of fantasy football, though, is that it, it, it can be exactly what you want yeah. it to be. Like, if you want it to be fun and, you know, you don't want to think too much about it, you just pick your favourite yeah. players. It can be that. Yeah. If you want to get into the nitty-gritty, look at different draft st- strategies, how can you beat everyone else, then, then um, you know, it can be that. And that's that's the beauty of it. It can be what you exactly what. The, the, the thing I love as well, there's no right or wrong. Nobody's right or wrong until we get to January. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, no matter who you draft, no matter how you draft, no matter who you pick up, there's no right or wrong until we get to January. Uh, and everyone can have their opinion on it, but there is no right or wrong until January. Uh, and there's that's not. the key. So, um, Mo, Mo Ali Cox is going back to the Colts on a three-year deal. So he's nice. probably their starting tight end next year. Who will be throwing him the ball, though? That is the question. Oh, Jimmy G's the biggest rumour at the minute. but Will it be Jimmy G? Will it be yeah. Jacoby Brissett? Oh. Will it be Andy Dalton? Will they draft a QB? Jameis Winston's still out there. It's not a Colts quarterback. Okay. <laughs> I'm interested. How are the Saints? The Saints are saying that they're interested in Watson, right? How are they going to... How are they going to squeeze him in with their cap hell? How, how are they going to manage to do that? Uh, what they'd probably do is trade for him and then restructure his deal by moving as much of it into signing, signing as bonus. possible yeah. because they'll, they're basically the signing will then move over the next four years of his contract. So if you convert $40 million into signing, then that's you know basically you're only paying 10 a year for four years, even though he gets all the money up front. So the advantage yeah. of the player is... I, hey, I get all this money now, so I get one big paycheck. Cheers. Yeah. But actually, for the counting purposes, because people think that the salary cap is like literally how much they get paid uh, that, that year. And it's the biggest misconception. It's just an accounting purposes. Actually, when they get the money, it doesn't matter, yeah. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. The cap doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't exist. I totally get That is not what they get paid. However... I, well, or when they get I don't paid. Know what they are now. Or when they get paid. They're only yeah, six they million. Have... They're six million over as of. Yeah, they had a yeah. huge restructure on okay. Kamara, didn't they? So yeah, they've done huge restructures and huge deals. This... So they're not that far to get back under. Just... But they're still over. So if they're then paying him ten million this year, let's say, you know, in, in cap, then I guess they're going to have to do a lot of restructuring or potentially lose a few more people to squeeze him in. And that's yeah. that's what the Saints do every single year until eventually something's going to happen where they're going to have to pay the piper. Um, very similar to Chelsea Football Club. They were like, um, you know, when Bobovich sat there and kicked all the money down the road, I'll recoup it on the sale, and now he's not going to get a penny. Yeah, You know, it's it's one of those things. It's a risk strategy where if the rules change, um, <clears throat> then it, it's going to affect them at some point, but it will allow you to kick. Uh, yeah, Jack, that comment was for you, by the way, because I knew you were still watching. Um, at the end of the day... <laughs> They can continue to kick the can down the road, but someday the piper has to be paid. So 
they'll just continue to kick it down the road until someone tells them that they have to pay the money. Yeah. Um, and they'll get wow. it done because they get it done every year. Um, I think they've been in worse cap situations than this one. But uh-huh. what will be interesting is that they're in such a situation now where they can only have average players. Um, they can only have average players now in, in quite a lot of positions because they can't afford to pay that many premium players. So even if they get Watson, they're going to struggle to get him weapons. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have to rely on the draft because they're not going to be yeah. able to afford. They're not going to be able to sign a Juju. They're not going to be able to sign a... Uh, and Jarvis Robinson, Landry, no. Jarvis Landry. I mean, that's a massive step down. But yeah, they're just not going to be able to get these guys. So then, I know Saints or Panthers. What do you reckon? What do you think he, his choice would be? If, if I'm Watson, like in terms of the, in terms of the teams and who you'd be playing with, I, 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 I'd go the Saints. It wouldn't even it wouldn't even be close. Like it, if you're telling me that my choice was was those two teams, as much as I dislike the New Orleans Saints from a fandom perspective, mm-hmm. they're a better franchise. They're a better run franchise. They're a more consistent franchise. Yes, they've got a new head coach, but he's, he's been, been there a long. long yeah. He's been there a long yeah. time, and he's the yeah. former head coach as well. So he's not he's not new. It's not like he's just come out of nowhere. Um, Dennis Allen is one of the best coordinators in, in the game, or he was until he was promoted. I, as bad as that team is, they'll get something. Like They were not a good team last year, and they still won eight games. Like I just, For me, if I'm, if I'm ch- choosing between teams, I'm going to always pick the team that has more of a pedigree Sounds in terms good. of the way, yeah, the way that the organization is run. And it's maybe a bit unfair on David Tepper because he's only been there a couple of years, but you've got a coach that's on the hot seat. You've got a brand new offensive coordinator after Joe Brady was fired. I think unfairly, but you know, mm-hmm. someone had to carry the can for last season and it was him. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'd always pick the, the stable franchise, but it would shock me if I, I, I would watch the Cleveland Browns. I really would watch the Cleveland Browns for, Deshaun Watson, I really think that they will make a huge play for him and trade Baker May. If they can find a suitor. Yeah. I, I don't think it would take much. No, not if people are signing Mitchell for Biscuit. Yeah, we don't want him in the AFC North, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he'll be banned. He'll get a ban this year. He so yeah. I think, you know. Let's hope we play before he. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a great division there, FC North, for, for quarterbacks. You've got Joe Burrow. Imagine if Deshaun Watson goes there. You'd have um, you'd have Joe Burrow. You'd have Lamar Jackson, former MVP. You'd have Deshaun Watson. And then you'd have Mitchell Trubisky. I mean... <laughs> it's almost like the AFC West as well, right? Uh, uh, listen, I, I like Derek Carr. I'm not going to besmirch uh, Derek Carr. I think no. he's a massively underrated... He is. I think he's a top five quarterback, top ten quarterback. No, but I think he's a heavily underrated quarterback and underappreciated. And I will not besmirch him with the same level of uh, joy and angst as uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Thank you very much. Fair. Right. <laughs> Never know. Anna, before we call it a day, thanks for coming on. Tell people where they can find <laughs> you, where they can ask the questions you've asked them to, to come and reach out for, what you're going to be doing, and tell us a bit where we can find you. Yeah. Yeah, so on Twitter, I am at Han Rowland. I've put a few 
things like Dan said, a few yeah. bits and bobs that you might find interesting, you can go and read. You're always welcome to send me a message, beginners, you know, whatever. I'm always open to chatting with you all. Um, hopefully my first uh, article for Five Yards should be out over the next few weeks. So have a look out there. Obviously, we'll share that on Twitter too, but I'm sure you'll see me around in Sleeper and, you know, many other different leagues. So if you do, give me a hi. It'd be great to just, you know, speak to as many people as possible. And also I should hopefully see you in July at uh, the Collective. Yes, yes, your ticket's purchased. I'll be there. Absolutely. I better be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, Murph will be there and many other names. Um, and if I can, Murph tickets are selling out incredibly quickly still. So um, we are, yeah, we're, we're getting to the stage now counting down rather than counting up. We're not counting how many sold, we're counting how many is left. So if you haven't got one, please do. I, I think it'd be a, a matter of a couple of weeks and they'd be all gone, and which is still three months out from the event. So that's awesome. So um, check out, I think it's at underscore UKFFC for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Not much. Uh, there'll be some pods dropping every day this week for free agency where I'll be catching you up to date yep. with everything that's going on. So there'll be more uh, podcasts than usual for those of you that have been subscribers for many years. We'll understand that that is pretty much what we do. We'll talk through all the deals uh, where possible and what's left and and everything. Um, I will say this i've got a draft um i've got a nfl rookies risers and fallers for the draft uh article going on fancy pros at some point this week it's written and i'm sorry if it be published uh, but it's interesting because it talks about some of the free agency moves that have happened and what <laughs> effect that going to have on nfl rookies uh and whose stock is rising and falling so i would recommend that for anyone that's interested in dynasty and rookies um super other than that, uh, yeah, You're lots good. of programming this week. I'm so glad Hannah's been on because, uh, you me know, the, the thing for me when I started doing rookie stuff and, like, getting new players in was who's going to take this up? Is anyone actually interested? Am I just wasting my time? And um, it's been great just to meet Hannah through this process, but it's also just been awesome to watch her take it on board and, and show the game, like, the love and care and interest and uh, curiosity and passion that i want that i have as a fan you have as a fan dan and, and everyone yeah. who is watching and listening so it's just awesome to have people take it on and do that so thank you Hannah, for everything over the last year or so because i think you've you've helped me in a long way like pass on the the fantasy football sort of love and community aspect of it. So um, I massively appreciate you and all the questions and, and the curiosity and everything that you do and, and our friendship, because it's been so great getting to know you over the last year as well. So thank you very much for That's it. Uh, humoring me, I guess, more than me humoring you. And I will say if anyone's in a, in Hannah's position now or in a similar position and, and is interested and intrigued based on what we've said here, reach out to Murph, reach out to myself, reach out to Hannah, reach out to the five yard accounts, um, nobody's going to think anything worse of you for just saying, hey, this seems like fun. How do I do it? What do I do? Um, come get involved. Come meet us. Hey, if you don't like it at the end of the day, no hard feelings, no one done. Give it a go. Dip your toe in the water and, and see how you get on, basically. So, um, yeah, Hannah, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. Interesting story. Can't wait to play in some leagues with you and 
see you beat me as times everyone else beats me. But hi. Um, no, thank you both so much for having me on and chatting to me today. And hopefully, even if one person who's thinking of starting or just starting it takes something away, then yeah. then great. And as I say, both of you, Murph, of course, you introduced me to it. So, you know, I'm forever grateful. But both of you guys have, have helped and supported me, you know, throughout the year, along with a load of other people. So it's a great community. And if you want to join, please, you know, do chat to everyone, get involved. Um, it's awesome. great fun. Murph, send us on our way. Well, I, I thought I'd share us with news that makes it completely okay. appropriate to end the podcast, which is the Colt McCoy backup quarterback uh, is returning to the Cardinals on a two-year $7.5 million deal with $6 million guaranteed. So congratulations, Colt McCoy, for earning $6 million to hold a clipboard. Just sit down. Yep. And that is, that is how you end a podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoying and digesting this one. And uh, until next time, Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.